Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Dialogues. Today, we'll be speaking with two finalists from the Derm Tank competition held at the AD Innovation Academy in July. The presenters dealt with innovative and entrepreneurial products in dermatology being developed by the presenters. We have Kaylin Workman, a medical student at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, and Dr. Jigar Ramesh Patel from North Pacific Dermatology in the state of Washington with us today. They were the finalists in the Derm Camp Tank competition. Kaylin. Your product is based on using clays for cleaning curly or textured hairs. When I think of clays, it reminds me of playing in mud. My mom certainly did not think that I came home cleaner than when I started. Could you explain <laughs> how clays can actually clean hair and why it's better than traditional shampoos? Yes, absolutely. So there are various types of clays that are present, but the one I focused on at AAD was Moroccan lava clay. And so because of its structure, Moroccan lava clay is known as a trioctahedron smectite. And so that's just a fancy way of saying that it's a mixture of minerals. And these minerals, they contain sheets of silica, and they have the capacity to expand when water is added to it. So it's this expansion capacity that is what allows clay to absorb oil and sebum from the surface of the scalp and the hair. And also, clays have a cation exchange interlayer. So they're able to remove heavy metals and toxins from the surface of the hair and the scalp as well because of the charge associated with it. And there are also reports that clays have the ability to act as a physical bacteria site as well. And so at AED, I was able to show using tricoscopy that the product cleaned by removing sebum and product and buildup from the scalp and also removing dead skin cells. And so it does seem kind of counterintuitive that clays can cleanse but actually because of their molecular structure, they are able to. And the thing with it being better for curly hair than traditional shampoos, as you know, curly hair has many inherent properties to it that can put it at a disadvantage. So because of the shape of the curl or the spiral, there are numerous weak points throughout the hair shaft. And also curly hair is noted to be more fragile, have less tensile strength, and be drier in texture. And so because of this, when you use many traditional shampoos, like things that you can buy at the stores, Walmart, Sephora, et cetera, these shampoos often have anionic surfactants. And these anionic surfactants are negatively charged particles that aid in cleansing the hair, but they deposit on the hair shaft. So they increase the already negative charge that's present on the hair. And when that happens, that leads to frizz, tangling, and breakage, which is all the things that we want to avoid. With clays, this doesn't happen. And so because of there isn't that extra negative charge associated with being deposited on the hair, you decrease frizz, you decrease tangling and friction. Furthermore, most shampoos are formulated at a very alkaline pH. And this also increases the negative charge that's deposited on the hair, which exacerbates frizz and friction. But because of the way I formulated my product, I was able to decrease the pH so that it matched the pH of the hair shaft. So you have less frizz and tangling. I think that's awesome. So who would be your target consumer for this product? Is it a specific ethnic type that this would be especially helpful? Yeah, I think that's a good question. So 
I will say that I made my product with women like me in mind. I'm an African-American woman and I am aware of the different struggles and problems that you can encounter when caring for a very textured hair type like you see in African-Americans. And so I did develop the product with having African-American women in mind because there aren't that many products on the shelf that are available for African-American women. So 65% of the U.S. population does have textured hair that's wavy, curly, or coily, but only 20% of shelf space at major retailers is dedicated to hair of texture. And further, African-American women spend more than any other group, approximately nine times more, when we talk about hair care. So there's a lot of room for the beauty and the hair care industry to come in and really listen to consumers who are doing a lot of big spending in this space. With that being said, while my product is geared towards textured hair and African-American women, it can be used by other women as well. It does not have to be exclusively for African-Americans. So if someone does hair straightening, would this also be useful there? We have, so basically artificial straight hair, I guess. Would those be helpful for those consumers? Yes, I would say that it would be. So the problem that many African women encounter with their hair is that you have hair breakage, and that's medically known as trichorexis nodosa. And obviously hair breakage will occur in any person who has their hair long enough because it's going to accumulate weathering and defects over time just from exposure. But it's been noted in many articles and publications that African-American hair in particular has hair breakage that is proximal on the hair shaft instead of distal to the hair shaft like you see in many patients with straighter hair types. And so when you straighten curly hair, whether that's chemically or physically, bonds have to be broken within the hair fiber in order to get that hair to be straight. And protein loss usually occurs because with the chemical straightener, the pH is very, very high. And so the whole goal of my product is to cleanse without inputting or inducing another harsh factor that's going to contribute to breakage on the hair shaft. And what I found when I was looking at my cleanser and testing it to see if it was effective was that compared to a traditional shampoo, breakage was actually decreased with washing. So the whole goal of washing is to cleanse the hair, but preserve the integrity of the hair. And no matter what hair type you have, it has to be cleaned and you want to clean it without disrupting it as much as possible. And that's what my product does. That's awesome. And that sounds like it's going to be very, very useful for women. So the question I still would have then, are there a number of other competing products along the line of is based on clays or is yours unique or how is it different from other products on the market? Yeah. So I mentioned this briefly at AD in terms of competition. And there's one product now that is called Bread by Meva Hakim, and it is a clay product. However, I, I looked into it more and I, <laughs> I actually bought the product because I wanted to try it out for myself and see the texture, if it had effectiveness, you know, what it was like. And so it's actually supposed to be used as a co-wash, meaning that you are supposed to apply it, apply the product to the hair and to the scalp first, and then you're supposed to rinse it out with a shampoo. You're supposed to wash it out after. 
And so my project is not like that. It's not supposed to be washed out with the with the shampoo after this is the cleanser. This is the shampoo. But with my competitors, that's not the case. The other issue is contact time with my competitor. So my competitor recommends that the product is left on for 20 to 30 minutes. And that is a significant amount of time that people may not want to spend in the shower or however their hair is washed, leaving the product on, right? But the contact time for mine is you can put it on, have it on for five minutes, massage it thoroughly throughout the scalp and the hair, and you can rinse it off. So there's a significantly less contact time. Well, that sounds really great. I mean, clearly your product would stand uh, head and shoulders above some of the, the single competitor that seems to be out right. there. So that would be very encouraging. Thank so you. how far along are you in getting this market, as it were? Yeah. So in May, I um, reached out to a research and development lab and also a manufacturing company. And they're based in Indiana. They're called Genie Supply. And I have, you know, the support of and the intellect of a cosmetic chemist and also the resources from my lab for development of this. And so right now we're in the testing phase of stability testing to make sure that the product is stable. So if it sits on the shelf, the layers don't separate in terms of like oil, water, and clays. And we're also in the preservative testing phase to make sure that the preservatives that are used in the product are strong enough to counteract against any microbes, pathogens that would grow in the container. So yeah, that's where we are now. And once stability and PET testing pass, then the next phase would be manufacturing. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I certainly I wish you lots of luck with this product because it really seems like something that is truly needed by for women with curly hair. And I can't comment too much on it because my hairstyle is such that I don't need to use any shampoo, but I do appreciate that many women certainly would have a need for this. So <laughs> really good luck with your product. I think it's uh, it seemed to be on a good runway to bring this to commercial fruition. Thank you. Our other finalist can maybe tell us about his products. It's a Jigar, your product, SkinCheck 360, is intended to help prevent wrong side surgery. Being a most surgeon, I'm always at risk for wrong side surgery, as the lesion can often become quite subtle once the biopsy has removed the top of it and the biopsy side has healed by the time we see the patient in the office. How is your product different and maybe better than other methods of identifying lesions? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dr. Ruza. So as we know, you know, wrong site surgery for skin cancer is an entirely preventable event with the right safeguards, but it is still the most frequent serious error reported in dermatology. And as you touched upon, often the most challenging part of my day, whether it's a Mohs surgery day or an excision day, is identifying the biopsy site. Often in our elderly patients, they have forgotten where the biopsy site was if the, if the biopsy was performed several weeks ago. And oftentimes, we're also treating other areas with liquid nitrogen at the time of biopsy. So there often is multiple sites and the patient can uh, quite easily forget which one was the appropriate site that needs to be treated that day. 
And current workflows in, in dermatology are not set up to kind of facilitate accurate identification of biopsy sites at time of surgery. And that's due to several different variables. Oftentimes, a clinician who does the biopsy is different from the surgeon, especially in a Mohs surgery pathway, and that can introduce human error. And quite often, clinician A is not on the same electronic health record as clinician B. And so that data, the biopsy photo, may not translate as easily or seamlessly to the surgeon on day of surgery. And as I touched upon, the time delta from biopsy to surgery is often on the order of weeks. So, so patients and family members don't quite recall where the treatment site is. And so smartphones with high-resolution cameras are used every day, whether you know, you're depositing mobile checks or facial ID recognition. And now in the past couple of years, you're using your phones to scan QR codes to order dinner and lunch and coffee. And so I, I sought to kind of develop a solution that would be user-friendly, both on the patient and clinician side, using smartphones, because most patients in our clinics have smartphones these days. And if you glance out into your waiting room, and just observe, you'll find that probably the majority of your patients are on their phones nowadays waiting to be called back for their appointment. And so, so the smartphone really presents a robust method for transmitting essential data from clinic point A to clinic point B. And what I, we developed with SkinCheck 360 is a free imaging app that allows the clinician and the patient to take a photo of their biopsy site. And this photo gets stored only on the patient's phone. There's no transmission of this data to an electronic health record. So um, as long as a patient gives permission, the photo just stays stored locally on the phone. Fast forward, let's say three weeks, and the patient presents to their Mohs surgeon or to you for an excision. You can reference that photo on the patient's phone. And the unique capability we built into it is an image overlay feature. And this is best kind of demonstrated as a, as a live views case, but essentially what you can do is the rear facing camera will, will show the, the live patient on, in front of you on the screen. And you can overlay the biopsy photo onto the screen, almost like a filter. And you can manually align where you presume to circle the, the biopsy site on the patient in front of you with the biopsy photo to ensure that you are on the right spot and provide some reassurance to you and the patient and family members that you've done your due diligence and this is the biopsy site and you can proceed with surgery. Got it. So just, I really understand it. So it's basically on the phone is where you take a new photo at the time of the surgery, when they come in for surgery, and then you have that stored image. And so the two images are overlaid so that you can then basically on today's image, you can see where the spot would be because exactly i agree that is very innovative because it's very clever simple but at the same time very powerful to me because what i find often when i when i do the try to match the picture to the patient on the day of surgery it's interesting how their skin changes and mm -hmm. so trying to look at little brown spots or little red spots from their actinic keratosis and Interestingly, they, they tend to change and they're yeah. not useful landmarks. So by actually having it matching up to the heart anatomy of the right. patient. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know, and, and the other issue is when photos get transmitted via fax, the image resolution deteriorates quite significantly. And so that also as a barrier to when, when you're trying to identify the site with the patient in front of you. And patients who have a lot of background actinic damage, as you touched upon, that also presents a challenge when trying to be precise as you can to identify where that basal cell or squamous cell biopsy w- was taken. And so I really enjoyed participating in this innovation uh, event at AAD because this, as you mentioned, this was to, to me seemed like a very simple solution. But as a resident, I felt like this was something that was challenging on our surgery days. And I thought, well, if there hasn't been someone who has developed this yet, maybe I can put some of my thoughts to, to a notebook and, and see how we can potentially develop a, a simple but effective solution and then and see where we can go. And so, you know, fast forward a, a couple years later, we developed the prototype in the phase of conducting some usability studies to really get some hard data on what patients think of this solution. And at the end of the day, ultimately make our jobs easier so that we can focus on patient care and providing high quality and safe care. Right. It's, um, you mentioned the facts. Yeah, the facts is I find totally useless. Usually just comes up as a black blob. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's not the best. And the other, when we get photos from the office, a lot of offices is still a challenge as well because they don't necessarily use secure email. So you have HIPAA issues involved. Right. So this thing where the patient bringing it, that part of it, I understand that's not the unique part, but even that part of it is also very helpful to encourage that so that you know, the patient has it. So there's no HIPAA issue. The one thought that I had maybe in, in version 2.0 is that ultimately figure out a good way that the patient can get that image, which now is basically it's on their phone, the image and the alignment to figure out an easy way to then airdrop it basically to yeah. the, to the EHR. I know that's an extra step, but I think that would add so that for your documentation, that would really, you know, help with the documentation of that material, of that information. So the uh, patient brings the stuff and then you'll have it documented. But from a practical point of view, to me, just having that alignment for the patient, I think is great. So do you find that there is a competition for this? You mentioned that you were not aware of anyone at the time. Is there any competition for this? Yes. So, you know, uh, believe it or not, one, I, I guess you can consider our biggest competitors as electronic health records. They allow the function of taking photos, but the issue and the rate limiting step is once that photo is saved within your local network on your EHR, to be able to transmit that data to another node or another point that's outside of that network that presents some challenges, right? And in transmitting personal data, you have to do it through secured lines. And so that's where I think we are able to overcome that obstacle. There are a couple of other imaging software solutions that are largely focused on the aesthetic and cosmetic market to allow you to take photos you know, pre-post-treatment But again, those, as far as I know, are taking images and storing them just within, you know, a clinic's local network. And so there's no easy way to transmit that data to an outside clinic. And so I think that's where we feel that, you know, SkinCheck 360 provides a unique perspective, a unique solution to the daily challenges that we all face in our current workflows. And we think if 
patients find that this is a solution that they are, can get behind to help us help them ultimately, then I, I, and I, I'm hopeful that we can get uh, as many patients to, to use this application so that we have a zero tolerance policy for wrong site surgery. Sure. I think that, that would be really great because the wrong site surgery, that's kind of stuff that keeps me up at night because when that happens, even though you, you tried your best and when it happens, it's like, well, it happened in the patient's mind. It's like, well, you cut off the wrong leg kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so it's a real, so it's saying this is, can be very valuable to reduce and hopefully eliminate that problem. So how do you see this as commercial product? So how, you know, to, to make it work, basically who would be buying this or how would this be paid for? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and we've thought about this from uh, different avenues. My goal when, when creating this, this solution was to really improve or enhance our dermatology workflows and, and make our day-to-day jobs easier. And to, I think for me to achieve that goal with the solution as I intended, I really want to try to keep this software available freely for patients. And I think the route we see best to achieve that is to partner with some big corporations or companies in the dermatology space, whether directly or indirectly working with skin cancer, skin cancer prevention, sun protection, skin cancer education, and partnering with them in possibly a sponsorship way, providing them avenues to potentially advertise or promote their content on our app. And I think if we can do that successfully, then we can find a way to possibly retain this app as a free solution for patients and clinicians to use. That sounds great, I think, because again, very valuable item. So you've received some financial support from the Derm Tank session in Vancouver. So have you started deploying those funds to help you further your development? I'm not a software developer by training at all. And so this process has been a learning journey for me to really figure out how to get from jot notes in your notebook to an actual physical product or software that you can touch. And each step of the way, you know, it's, it's, it's more iterations, more updates, and then that adds up to time and cost. And so we're constantly trying to iterate and make it more user-friendly experience. And so what we're doing with the funding is continuing to update it. And the other part of that is we're also trying to get a usability study up and going. And to do that, as you know, when anytime a software updates on the native operating system, let's say Apple, for example, it requires your own application to kind of go through an internal update. So that takes some time and, and and financing and you know with newer phones coming out on the market we we want to be cognizant of of being able for all patients to use it from older phone models up until the newest ones and so a lot of the development goes to that in terms of making sure the software can accommodate different hardware settings different software settings so portion of that the funding is going to support that and the other portion is going to get our pilot usability study up and going. So hopefully we can c- collect some, some data on, on the back end and demonstrate that patients are wanting to, to use this solution as part of their care. Great. Well, thank you so much. I think we've had some really innovative, interesting products in the pipeline. So I'm looking forward to both of them as you progress and love to hear follow-up as you're progressing and 
and bring these projects to fruition. So I want to thank both of you, Kaylin and uh, Jigar, for joining us today and sharing with you your incredible entrepreneurial spirit. Thank you, Dr. Ruza. Look forward to reconnecting with you all at some point in the future. Nice meeting you, Kaylin. Thank you as well. Nice meeting you as well, Dr. Patel. And thank you, Dr. Ruza, for having me. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.